Well, it's a Monday morning, and we're here for another episode of Good Old Sports. Uh, I'm your host, Riley Pate, co-host, best friend, business partner, all the above, Adrian Herndon here with me. And uh, we're so glad that you've chosen to join us. Normally, we're live, of course, uh, wherever you can watch us, but uh, having some technical difficulties this morning, and uh, we'll get that uploaded to Facebook on uh, as far as the audio is concerned, we'll be back live tomorrow uh, with the show as well. Right. Yep, man. Some technical difficulties. Moving kind of slow this morning, but we've had an interesting weekend of football, man. An Just inter- a packed weekend. Yes. It's been uh, full of football. You had about three or four games on Saturday. Then uh, uh, you turn around, you had four games yesterday, and... They were all close. There were some shockers. I think the only uh the only uh blowout that we had was uh between San Francisco and um and who did they play? It slips my mind now. Uh the Seahawks. The Seahawks, yeah. Gotta get and, on a roll, man. I know. Yeah, it's man. But you know, because um, I forget I forgot about the Seahawks being there, man. They were a low seed. Yeah. Know? And we'll break down all the I mean, what a packed weekend of NFL yeah. stuff though. Yeah. Very packed. But before we get there, uh, LeBron James is back in the headlines. He becomes only the second player in NBA history to score 38,000 points uh, in his career. And, of course, that's going to bring up the good old controversy. Where does um, LeBron fit? But he, uh, the only other player to do that now is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. I think LeBron, I, I hate it. I'm going to let you know right now. I do not, I could care less about how many points. I mean, I know for him that's big. Uh, it's big for his career and everything. But as a someone who watches the Lakers, um, you know, that's the last thing that the team could be concerned about. And I think, you know, it's going to be something that the media is going to always highlight because it's LeBron James and it's, a milestone, but the the last thing that that team is worried about is LeBron being the second greatest scorer in NBA history. Uh, you can't close games. You can't close games. Close games at that with with teams that are good. You know, we we've seen it. This is the second time it's happened with uh with Philly. Um, it happened against the Mavericks Thursday night. And then it, you know it happened with the Celtics. Um, they beat Milwaukee, so I mean that I, I guess that's a that's that's a plus. But you know it's it's shown that the Lakers have struggled when it comes to these close games, and uh, they can't close. And I am convinced that they don't have a closer. Uh, they don't have anybody that's reliable per se to you know say okay when they get the ball, I know that they're going to make it. And I know people are going to say, you know, LeBron's the guy. LeBron's the guy. No, LeBron yeah. proved against Dallas he's yeah. not the guy. LeBron, LeBron didn't take over last it's, night either. It's, it's not just that, but it's been consistent since he's been there. Um, and, and I say the sad thing about it is that the Lakers, they have proven and shown that, hey, we can hang in there with these kind of teams. With the, you know, we can hang in there with the, the top teams. But you can't finish, and you know it. It, it kills for momentum. You know it, it kills for uh, your birth in the playoffs. It, it kills for everything. 
uh, pertaining to the season, especially at this time, because, you know, this is the second half of the season. It's crunch time. You know, now you're really battling to get a playoff spot and to conceal a playoff spot, and you're losing close games. I mean, just, I mean, somebody just finished a game. I mean, right now, the free mar- free agency market is open. I don't think anybody's out there that's a finisher. No, so, there's not. And, to, and even on the trade block, there's. I mean, of course, we're going to get more movement in the next couple of weeks as teams kind of look at themselves. But there's not anybody out there right now that you look at and go, that's our guy. You know, that's going to be a finisher. But then there was an interesting report as to how the Lakers are going to approach the uh, the trade deadline. This is per uh, ESPN's Dave McMahon. He said if the right deal emerges, so he uh, the headline is that the Lakers are looking at the finality of LeBron James' career when it, assessing trades. He says if the right deal emerges that will make them, in their eyes, a better team over the next like three years, that's their priority. They want the team to get to the best level it can, while LeBron James is still in the roster. But if that means not making that deal in February and playing out the rest of the season with a group they have and knowing that they feel like there's going to be a better deal in July in the offseason, they'll do that because they're looking at the finality of LeBron as a whole. So, And I've been saying you can't do that because that shows you where their focus is going to be. It's not going to be about no, the, what's best yeah. for the Lakers. It's best what's, what's best for LeBron. And what's it keeping LeBron? And that's but I guess that answers our question that we've you know everybody's been asking you know do they keep LeBron? And apparently they're going to seems to be the plan. I, okay, I that's fine, but don't make him the. No, I can't even say it's fine. My my my, my spirit wouldn't even agree with that. It's horrible. It, the Lakers won't be a top organization. Uh. If you keep on the same path, you won't be a top organization in the next three years like you're thinking because it's the same thing. It's been consistent. We thought it was Frank Vogel, but now we see it's not Frank Vogel. I, I knew it wasn't Frank. I mean, yeah. Frank Vogel got the short end of the stick. He got hired to kind of calm things down you know, during the bubble year and all of that. He did his job, won a championship, and then immediately... Following that becomes the scapegoat for LeBron's problems, as is every coach, or as has every coach that ever coached LeBron James, outside of Eric Spolstra. Like, you think about that. Eric Spolstra is the only guy to coach LeBron and live. Everybody else has been fired. Yep. Everybody. What does that say? Who's the common denominator? It's not these teams. It's not these coaches. The common denominator is LeBron James. This is why I say everybody, nobody talks about this. These are are the things that ESPN and uh, NBA Live and all these guys, they don't talk about this. They don't say stuff like this because it's almost if everybody fears LeBron. Well, you get some of the... I, I get that you respect him. That's fine. But you have to be truthful. You have to look... It's like I said, the common denominator. You have to look at it. The The reason why this happens isn't because they don't have good teams. But you have somebody that's working from the inside. And you, you, you can't have that. And if Rob Palenka... I knew, this was, I knew Rob was going to do this because Rob is first an agent. You know? He's looking yeah. at the big bucks of it. 
He's not looking at the matter of the whole team. This is why it's a mistake putting him in this position because he's not looking at the matter of the whole team. He's looking at what's going to get get them money, what's going to get them ratings, what's going to get them uh, the seats full. And, and right now, Lakers fans and who are tired. Who else is focused on that? LeBron James. Yeah. And right now, Lakers fans are tired of it. You can't do that because, like I say before, Lakers fans are spoiled. Well, they They're like spoiled. to win. Yeah, like to win. And when you F around and F around and then find out, that can only happen so long with these fans. Sooner or later, they're going to start booing you at home. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're going to, it's not, you You love the team, but you, you respect the team, but you want to see all this stuff. If you, if you're, if you're going to so quote unquote fire out this late show, then put on a late show then if you're going to do that. But win, you know, win. Well, the, the roster as it's constructed is not a winner. Uh, and if you're going to continue to try and build around LeBron James, you're not going to be able to construct a winner. That's yeah. not a winning formula. That's not a formula that puts your franchise uh, on a successful path. Because if that's your focus, then you can forget all your draft picks. You can forget, you know, any young guys that you're trying to develop. You're going to have to trade them away because LeBron's not going to want them around. Uh, then you're going to have to have serious conversations. Who who on that roster now still wants to play with LeBron? You know, we talked extensively last week about the fact that there are people uh, within his inner circle that say, listen, Pat Bev's already tired. He, he wants out. Uh, how long does Russell Westbrook want to keep playing second fiddle to everybody and not really having a a set spot on the team. Uh, what about, you know, AD, does he look at this and go, what am I doing? You know, this is wasting well, that, the that, best years that's of That's another career. thing. That's another thing is AD just needs to stay healthy. That's what he needs to worry about. AD doesn't need to be looking at nobody else if he can't stay healthy. Because this has been a consistent thing with him. Is he gets going, gets going, and then boom, he's out for a month or two. AD needs to focus on being healthy other than saying or looking around saying, Well, I really want to be here. Man, forget all that. Stay healthy because your well, no, team I, as I of right now has, but he has a right to say, Do I really want to stay but, here? I, I I get that, but that's not the main concern. His main concern is staying healthy because he can look around all he wants and say, Okay, do I want to be here? Do I want to be here? This why and then you go somewhere else and it's the same thing. Your main focus should be staying healthy enough for where you're at to complete a full season. And they're going to been a problem yes, his career. Yes. And so they're going to need 80 in these next 4 months. If they if they're looking at making a playoff run, they're going to need him for the next 3 to 4 months to stay healthy. No heavy lifting, just stay healthy. You know? And and, and figure out what the heck it is that keeps that man, like come on. <laughs> but it's, part it's, of AD's it, problem is just his size. I mean, he he has trouble, you know, maintaining his uh, leg area. And, yeah, know, he's, he's just he's he he's not clumsy. It's just I said this before: is he plays and he he plays kind of reckless. It's not necessarily. It's like the slightest thing. He's like his. His legs are made of glass. Well, some of the hardest... Or, Bones. Or, uh, some of the things that make him the best, some of the th- hardest things to stop about him also hurt him. 
you know, in, in certain yeah. aspects as far as keeping him healthy. But, but I just, I thought that was interesting that this is apparently the approach that the Lakers are going to take. Not only but, this traded line, but that tells you where they're headed yeah. looking but at free agents. I want to uh, uh, come back something real quick. You know, you said this is a, it isn't a winning roster. I, I, I would have to uh, disagree with you there because if you look at the, the Brooklyn Nets, if you look at the... Uh, 76ers, if you look at Milwaukee, uh, other than the Celtics, other, other than maybe the Pelicans, that and, well, the Nuggets, you can say that the Lakers is, other than other teams on the West, but you can't say that the Lakers do have a winning roster. Because but you, you look, just named all four or five teams that are better. Okay. They have no chance. They have no business. But no, well, no. But what I'm saying is, hold on, let me finish. What I'm saying is, you look at those rosters, they don't have superstars. They have, how many superstars they have on their team? Well, I, well the reason well, I, I said but, that it's... But I, I'm saying is... It's not about the superstars. I'm saying the, the reason I consider the Lakers not a winning roster is because of LeBron. I think if you take LeBron out, I think that is a winning roster. Okay. I, I'm saying as it's cur- with the rotations as they currently are, you're not going to be able to win games. Not consistently. But it is... It is a winning team. I mean, they don't have anything different than... Well, they've got LeBron, which keeps them from yeah. being a winning team. Because yeah. because he thinks he can take over a game when he can't. Like, yeah. at some point, you've got to construct a, a roster that can win games yeah. like what you lost last night. Well, well you got to clarify that. Because at that, at that point, cause you, when you say that, you're looking at the overall general view of it. And so, if it's just LeBron James, then it's just LeBron James. Well, no, it's the roster as a whole, though, because you you construct your roster. And when I talk about the roster, I'm not just talking about the people on it. I'm talk- When I use the word not a winning roster, I'm talking about the rotations that are included because of your current setup. Your current rotations, <clears> and, th- and this really showed the other night against Dallas, your current rotations are not winning rotations because you're always trying to figure out how to plug this guy in or that you know, make sure that you know Westbrook gets his time, and then you got to figure out, okay, well, if, if he's on the court at the same time as LeBron, how does that kind of work? Yeah. I, so that roster is a whole. Now, if you take LeBron out, you've got some of the same guys, but you're looking at different rotations. Yeah. And then you still need to add. Now, here's where I think the roster as a whole is lacking, whether LeBron's there or not. Nobody else is really a closer. Not you know, AD can be when he's healthy, but. Again, we go back to when he's healthy. Yeah, Westbrook tries to be, but he falls short at, at different periods of time because his shot goes cold. So you've got to find somebody who, in crunch time, just like last night. Now, Westbrook may or may not have been fouled. I'll give him that. But, granted, you, you've got to have somebody that can take that basketball and go, I'm going to the hoop. I dare you to stop me. Like yeah. I, I'm going to go win this game. But LeBron tries that and he can't. No, and that's the thing is that it's kind of grown old. Is because everybody wants to hop on LeBron's bandwagon. As long as LeBron James, he's the goat. The thing is, LeBron, <laughs> he has respect around the league, of course, because for who he is. But at the same time, you know, if you really, if, if you're sane, if you're a sane person, you know that. This guy with the ball in his hands isn't necessarily a threat anymore. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to double team him. You're not going to, 
you're not going to rush him. You're not going to do anything like that. Because, and it's shown in his career, it, the, the back end of his career, is that he's digressed in that area more than progressed. So, the thing about, about it is, yeah, you, you do have LeBron. LeBron is a big piece on that team. But I look at it as if you do move that piece, then, as I've said it before, you see what you really have and how you need to construct and how you need to work it. Right now, these guys don't have room for growth. Um, it's it's I, I don't know what to even compare it to, but they don't have room for growth because they don't they're not seeing or being able to see. Okay, how do I mesh with with this player on the court with me? You know, how can we get this? You know, get this going. How can we do this? And then also with LeBron, and that's why I say LeBron plays different positions. He's all over the court. But you have to be able to move something to see, okay, what do I really have? Because right now, LeBron is that big shadow that's just kind of hiding everybody else. You know? And it's sad to say that, you know, it's a team playing under one man's shadow. True. You don't... That that makes no sense. That doesn't sound right. It doesn't even feel right. But that's what it is. It's a, it's a whole team, whole organization under one man's shadow. That's not good. Well, no, but we saw this coming when he, I mean, he hadn't been there very long and the Magic says, okay, see ya. I mean, you, you think about what LeBron has done just in the, uh, what is it now, four seasons that he's been there in L.A.? You, you think about what he's done in just the four seasons. He's caused Magic Johnson, arguably the you know, one or two greatest Laker of all time, depending on where you put him with, with Kobe. Um, he's caused him to walk away from the organization. He's allowed Rob Polinka come on in, who was an agent, who does nothing but agent-type moves. Okay? He has said multiple times, I don't want Phil Jackson to be my coach. Don't listen to him, you know, in the, in the coaching search input. He has gotten a coach fired shortly after a championship where most coaches get a longer leash, he, you know, no, I don't want him. He he trade away Lonzo Ball. He trade away every young guy that was ever on the roster coming into this situation. Uh, he continues to dominate the headlines with his comments about, I want to play with my son. I want to be here. You know, I, I want this. I want that. Uh, he opens up this year with, well, it's not like we have a lot of shooters on the roster. Well, you constructed the roster, so congratulations, LeBron. And then, you know, you, you just look at his to, the totality of his body of work, and honestly, it shouldn't shock us for the Lakers to make this comment. Like, for the Lakers to be having conversations about, we're going to build a team around LeBron, as, you know, asinine as that may seem to us, you know, and as ludicrous uh, of an idea as it may be, it shouldn't shock us. At this point. Like, like nothing with but, LeBron James. And, and I go back to the, the opening question for this segment was, you know, after becoming only the second player in history to score 38,000 points behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, where does he truly rank? I think this part of the conversation affects where we put him, you know, on that list. Yeah. LeBron isn't still isn't in, still isn't top 10. That's why I say 
People want to put, you bring up stats. Well, he did this and he did that. and did, Who else? I ain't talking about that. I'm not, when it comes to rating players, I'm looking at overall dominance. I'm not looking at just how many points they can put up, but I'm looking at overall dominance. And the 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 substantial the substantial rate of it. The thing with LeBron is he can be mentioned, in my opinion, in the top twenty, but in the top ten, no. Um, because if you look at he he can't even be mentioned in the top five, in my opinion. You look at these other players and you look at who they had. They didn't have superstars on their team. They didn't have other superstars. They didn't need other superstars, you know. But they made it work, and it made it. They made it look great. They made it great. LeBron needs superstars in order to make it look great or look good. That's what he wants. That's what he's. It's always been. And you're not gonna get. You're not gonna get that kind of recognition when you're always. Well, I want this player. I want. I want. I want. Listen, man, you're the player. That's what they pay you for. You want to go? You want to be a GM? Retire and go be a GM or agent or whoever, whatever you want to do. You a billionaire, man? Go do what you're gonna do, but don't run an organization down being a player and you're not in the front office. And with LeBron James, is the it's the fact that he has this. It's so bad that he has this kind of control and impact over an organization. Right now, the Lakers are like, it's almost love struck with this guy. It's it's bad. It's a bad, bad situation. But my question is, like, what has he done for you? Like, you didn't win that championship just because of LeBron James. Exactly. And he's brought you, what, one championship in four years? And, I mean, the last two years, you barely made the playoffs. We're not talking about, you know, a guy who has just dominated the NBA. Yes, yeah, since or, he's been in the you know, We're not even talking, really and truly, we're not even talking a guy, about a guy who is truly in the top three or four, you know, in the NBA as it currently stands. Right. I, he, now, he gets all the attention because it's LeBron James. But, but I, I guess that's my bigger overall question, and I think that that's why, you know, the Lakers do such a good job of staying in the headlines. I mean, we talk about them almost every day on the show just because of different things that happen, you know, every day, it seems like, with the Lakers. But I think that that's one of the reasons that they're able to stay in the headlines is they get guys like this to keep themselves relevant, just in the conversation. Not maybe relevant in the sense of we're true contenders, not relevant in the sense of we're going to go dominate the NBA. Yeah. But, uh, but relevant in the sense that they're a part of the conversation. Well, see, that's the thing about the Lakers. is When Kobe retired, you had no more relevancy. You weren't that good while he was still playing. Yeah, towards the end. Yeah, towards the bad. end. Yeah. And so, after he retired, that was it. You had a bunch of rookies or a bunch of second-year players and a couple of, maybe a couple of vets. I mean, very few. You had a very young team, and you looked around and said, we're not relevant. But the sad part is, you didn't give those guys a chance. You didn't give those guys a chance to work themselves into that team. And you look at the guys, uh, what happened when they left. They got good. 
Yeah. There are guys that you would want on your team now, that you need on your team now. But you traded them. Yes. And and to get LeBron, and then you traded more to get AD. And so now look what you're struggling look what you're struggling at. You're struggling at finding the shooter. You had a shooter in Jordan Clarkson. You had a shooter in uh um what's his name? I can't even think of his name now. But you had a shooter. You had Lonzo Ball. You had Brandon Ingram. You had D'Angelo Russell. You didn't give these guys a chance to work out in your organization. And now it's like you look and it's now it's like the the same players that those guys have become is the same players that you need on your on your roster right now. You need a Alonzo Ball. You need a Brandon Ingram. You need a Julius Randle. You need these guys. You need a D'Angelo Russell. You know, a uh, Larry Nance. You you need these guys, but you let them go just to get two men, two players, who one is is injury injury prone. The other is not your closer. He can't, I mean, can't really do anything for you. So it shot them in their foot when they tried to, they, the Lakers moved so quickly. And so they wanted to build a ready now team rather than letting these young guys get meshed in and get, get it going. You know, they wanted a ready now microwave team and that's what they got right now you wanted to microwave it now you have to deal with it it's halfway done you have a halfway done team and so until you reconstruct rethink it's going to continue to be halfway done but it doesn't seem like that reconstruction is going to happen anytime soon no it's not but that's what this is what they wanted this is what rob palenka wants he wanted a ready now let's go ready start go team and this is what he got so he's gonna have to deal with it you know because LeBron is only getting older he's not getting younger well he's not getting any better I I, I mean you watch LeBron James and I mean of course he scored last night and he he broke the record but you don't watch him and go that's still a a, a dominating presence and you talk about not even double teaming the other night against Dallas they they, he's 101 all night yeah nobody's double teaming LeBron nobody looks at him and goes okay we have to you know, double team this guy or else. You know, you even compare him to Luka Doncic. You know, that night that he couldn't take Luka one on one. He had to have help. Yeah. Uh, on the back end, he it's just a different LeBron James, and it just feels you get the sense that the Lakers just don't want to admit it. Yeah. That they're not ready to say we need to move on. Yeah. And, and we need to to bring in somebody else. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying they're. They've gotten themselves locked in, and they can't get out. Or not, rather, they can't. They won't. So, Speaking of Luka and the Mavericks, uh, Luka didn't play last night. They fall. Tim Hardaway didn't play last night. Uh, they fall 140-123 to 123 to the Trailblazers. They need to tread water here, or they're going to fall in the standings pretty quickly. Uh, you know, and it goes back to what I've been saying. At some point... You've got to make a move uh, to solidify your not only yourself with Luca and Tim Hardaway Jr. on the court and, and being able to add somebody to, to kind of help carry the load, but you're going to have to add a piece that keeps you sustainable should one of those two not be on the court. And then, you know, you have the absolute disaster last night where neither one of them played. Uh, and that got ugly pretty quick and in a hurry. Uh, they, they 
fall two nights in a row to the Portland Trailblazers, of all people. <laughs> but, you know, if you're Dallas, you've got to do something. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got, you can't stay, you know, middle of the pack. Because middle of the pack's not going to cut it. Middle of the pack's not going to get you a championship. Middle of the pack's probably not getting you to the 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 conference finals. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Uh, you've got to construct a rotation that can score points and not, you know, put Luca or Hardaway Jr. or anybody else in a situation where they feel like I'm the only guy. You know, there's nobody out here except for me. You've got to do something. And, and if you're Mark Cuban, you know, how long are you going to go Without sustained playoff success, you, know, you 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 spend all this money. You're worth all this money. Money's not the problem. You bring in you know Jason Kidd to be your head coach, uh, and everybody kind of got excited about that because you're bringing him back into the fold and and all of those things. But so far, what do you have to show for? What do you have to show for the fact that you have one of the top five players in the NBA on your roster? At the end of the day. What do you have to show for it? And and how long are you willing, and I've said this before and I will continue to say it until a move is made, how long are you willing to waste the best years of Luca's career? Are you just going to do that? And if you're Luca, at some point you've got to go and say, listen, I need help. You know, if I'm going to stay here, if this is going to be a deal, I need help. You can't just trade away pieces and then not replace them. I've got to have guys brought in uh, that can can help me. And if you're Dallas, why not build around Luka? That there seems to be this hesitancy. But you watch him play; he's a dominating force. He is, you know, for all we say about LeBron not being that guy, Luka is that guy. Mm-hmm. And so, why not build around that? Uh, that that's my big thing. You've got to get to a point where you're building around Luka Doncic and putting yourself in a, a position now where you can go win not only the winnable games, but go win a playoff series uh, later in the season. Yep. Um, see, that's what I'm talking about is all these teams really, in all reality, no one has a complete team other than the Celtics. Celtics are the only complete team in the NBA right now. Brooklyn knows when Kevin Durant's on the court. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> Then again, that's you just don't want to give him credit. No, I don't. No, it's not that. Then it's just one or two, maybe three guys. It's not a complete team. You don't. That's what I'm saying. It's not a complete team when somebody else is out and you can't win. That's not a complete team. That that is not. I mean, Denver's a complete team. They can have nights where the Joker's off and still win a game. Okay, maybe. Okay, but my point is, nobody in the NBA right now has a complete team. They have about one or two, maybe three guys that are good and that can keep the game going. And Mavericks are that in that bunch with everybody else. And it's the Golden you know, State effect. Yeah, and it's 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 bad on organizations. It's an Achilles heel, and you want to. You, you will want to fix that somehow, but nobody's looking. And that's that's the 
problem with, you know, when basketball became so individual. You know, it looked at one player rather than the whole team, you know. And you have to get back to where you're looking at, okay, let me look at the whole team and see what I need, see what we need, how we can fix this, how we can fill in the blanks and, and, and plug the holes. Because every team has a leak. And all it takes is one more chip and it'll it, it'll burst. You can't, I mean, you can't just build around one player. And you you got to get players that complement them, yeah. But you can't build off of that player. You have to get players that, okay, they'll do well in this position. While this guy does good in this position. You know, but it's not looked at like that. And I'll rephrase that. You, know, you can't. I mean, you can't build around anyone else. You can't even get players that complement that player. You have to get, okay, well, they do this really well, and this guy does that well. So you have to look at. You don't have to build. You don't have to look at one big player and say, okay, we need somebody that will look good with them or go good with him. Mm-hmm. No. We need somebody that will shoot. We need somebody that can pass. We need somebody that can that's good in the paint, somebody that can get us rebounds. That's how you should look at it. Not somebody, okay, that'll look real good, cool if you, you know, real good if, you know, he can, you know, match with him and play just I, I use the Lakers as a as a as a as a uh example here. You don't need players that can throw up hoops uh alley oops to LeBron James. Everybody don't want to do that. Everybody can't do that. But you need a player that can shoot. You need a player that can pass. A player that can, has court presence. That's a field general. And you need somebody in the paint. That's how you build your team. You don't build your team around one man. And so Mavericks moving forward, they need to look at their team as a whole. As to, as in, rather than just, okay, who can build, who can uh, complement Luka, but who can we get on the court that can pick up when he is down, you know, when they're out. Yeah. That's the only way you do that, you know. And 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 right now, it's like it's going to be a lot of rookies coming in because ain't nobody on the, on the market right now. There's nobody on the market. There's nobody, unless you're willing to trade off a bunch of people, but then you're, you're, you're basically starting with, the, the trading is so, it can be helpful, but it can be deadly at the same time to a team. You know, because it's like you got to start all over from scratch. And and you'd rather do that with a rookie than uh, getting somebody else who may not fit into your scheme. And you have to force it, you know. You, you I mean, you'd rather do that. Yeah, it, it's just a, a, an epidemic, you know, right now in the NBA. Yeah. That, that, you know, you've got to construct a roster that's sustainable uh, and you've got to construct a roster that's not built, as you say, you know, around one player. Uh, another player whose future is kind of up in the air now is Draymond Green. Uh, he made some comments this past weekend uh, that indicates he's gone. That he believes that he's going to be uh, heading out the door there in Golden State. You know, their team owner, uh, Joe Lacob, has you know c- come out and he said, Listen, we're not always going to pay out this kind of money. Uh, we do have a, pa- a cap here, and so uh, given the fact that this is Draymond's walk here, th- these were his comments. He said, quite frankly, the writing's on the wall. I understand the business. We tend to get into 
this of someone owes us uh, something because of what we've accomplished. You'd be an idiot to walk around feeling that way. I feel like you're just setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for heartbreak. You're setting yourself up for disappointment as opposed to saying, no, let me learn this business. If you don't get to know the business, then you can be blindsided and be like, oh man, everything I've done, I thought I'd be there forever, uh, Green continued. I would love to be with the Warriors forever, but I understand the luxury tax. I understand you've got these young guys and contracts up, and they have to be paid. I understand all of those things, and so just for me, that's what I mean by the writing's on the wall. So you get the sense that Draymond knows that... He's the odd man out. Yep. Where does he go? I mean, that that would be my question. Where does he fit? At this point in his career, where does he fit? Who, who's going to look at him and go, come on down. Well, you're, could, you're a piece that we have to have. He could stay on the West Coast. I don't see anybody on the East uh, that would necessarily need him. Uh, no. I almost said Milwaukee. I think he'll look good with Milwaukee. Maybe he'll be a good pe- a good. Uh, he would fit. be a good addition to kind of help offset the Greek freak a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, at this point in his career, I mean, you have to look at you know his production as well. You know, what can we get out of him as player? Um. You're not getting a lot of points out of him these no, days. No, no. I mean, he's averaging yeah. ten points maybe now, coming off the the bench and I don't and know where so, he goes. you know, you, you you've got that. You have to take into consideration some of the, you know, off the court things as far as his personality. Uh, you know, you you go back to the beginning of this season with Jordan Poole and that whole you know debacle. So I I seen something where he recently did an interview about that uh, situation. Mm. And he said that he watched it after it happened and that he watched it all day. Like, he would he would watch it, watch it, watch it, you know, walk away from it, come back and watch it again. And he said they only showed the hit, the moment leading up. They yeah. said they, they intentionally showed it without audio. To, and it, he said... That moment made me out to... He said, I, I realized that moment was made to make me look like something that I wasn't. Well, my deal was that got leaked. Yeah. And and, and if I'm the Golden State Warriors, I, I would have gotten out in front of it. I said that from the beginning. So I kind of... I understand what he's saying there in the sense of if you're Golden State, you know, yeah, you didn't punish him per se, you know, to the extent that someone wanted you to. But why even put that perception out there? Yeah. You know, about Draymond Green. It you got the sense that that was kind of their first little nudge of we're ready to move on. You yeah. know, we're we're not gonna suspend you, we're not gonna do that, but but we're ready to yeah. to move on. But it you know, when you, when it happened, you know, we were all feeling bad for Jordan Poole, but you really look at it, you know, who knows what was being said. You know, who knows the conversation or anything leading up to that that was happening. That wasn't leaked, only the yeah. The, the the slight, we could tell it was back and forth, and then the hit, boom. And, and then the teammates never really, ca- no teammate came out and said, hey, this is this yeah. is what was going on. But it, it made Draymond out to be the bad guy and look like the villain when really, in fact, we don't know that. Um, 
And so, yeah, Draymond getting the sense, you know, like, yeah, this is, I'm the odd man out this season. You know, after the season up, I'm, I'm the odd man out. You know, lets him know that he knew from the very beginning that, you know, after, I, I think it may have been after that, that I'm not wanted here anymore. Yeah, I think he got the sense that even though, yeah, they said all the right things, they kind of defended him to a point, they never came out and said there was an altercation and it goes both ways. Yeah. It was more of a, we're not going to pop him, but then we're not going to really stand up for him. Right. And that was that was my big takeaway from that. And that was when, you know, it kind of started swirling that, hey, Draymond's days in, in Golden State may be numbered, and then now you kind of get to this point in the season, and he, look, he goes, look, listen, they haven't engaged me about any contract talks. There's not been any real effort on their part to indicate that they want me, you know, here in Golden State, so I think I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to move on. And that that's just interesting to me. Yeah. That, you know, you, you've got a guy who was a key part of your championship runs. You know, albeit he wasn't uh, Steph Curry. He wasn't uh, Clay Thompson at times. But he, he was a key part nonetheless. And now you're just going to move on. Which also raises the question, at what point does Golden State not just blow that thing up and, and say, you know what, that was a great run, but that those days well, are it's, over. it's called... You're living in the glory days. And I think Golden State are still living under a aroma of that. Is rather and rather than rather than being completely living under it, they're living in like a little section of it. Because yeah. they're holding on to that piece, you know. And I, I honestly and truly believe and what makes me question, okay, you're you're probably gonna get rid of Draymond at the end of the season. Okay, but what about Clay Thompson? You know, yeah. There's been no talk about that. Yeah, he, he's not who he once was. Yeah. So and what about so what about Clay Thompson? So it gives me the 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 sense that they're holding on to those glory days. You know, if we get rid of everybody that was on that team, we can't rebuild. You know, we can't start. It's going to be a long road. Listen, that's okay. Build what? It's okay to change your identity for the better, but if you try to hold on to what you had. And it's just gonna hurt your your franchise, in, in the long run. The only one that you're gonna that that's concreted in that's solid there right now that's not gonna leave is uh, Curry. You know mm-hmm. you're not gonna get rid of Curry because of that contract that's just not yeah. a movable thing. Right, and so he's there. He's bolted down. You're not gonna move him. But the players around him uh, that were on that team, like Draymond and uh, uh, Clay Thompson, those guys, you you know, you can move. You don't have to hold. You there's so many players you can go out there and get. Clay Thompson's a good shooter. Don't get me wrong, but that's not enough for you nowadays. That's not enough for them now. You know, well they're just not. They're not able to be that wide open. We're gonna shoot the lights out on you and just outscore you type of offense. Yeah, no, because everybody else have caught up to that game. It was good when it when it when it was happening, but everybody else is caught up to that game. You know, if you look at the other players that were on that roster in those years, Iguodala, uh, uh, Quinn, Dan, Dan, Danny Quinn, Dan, no, Danny Cook, Cook, yeah, yeah. Danny Cook. Uh, and then you look at uh, Javale McGee. You know, those guys. You know, they were they were part of your roster. They moved on, you know. They're they're somewhere else. They're they're playing, but 
you, you're holding on to these last two players, and I think you know you're getting rid of Draymond. It's kind of saying, okay, we're taking a step away from that, but it's not for the right reasons. Um, and then you look at, okay, what about Clay? And I think once they figure out what they're going to do with Clay, we'll kind of give them room to uh, rebuild and start fresh. But if you're Steph Curry, do you want to be a part of a rebuild? That's I, the other thing. I mean, or does Steph look around and go, okay? Okay, but okay. And I think it's. I think it's going to be. All right for Steph because Steph is going to be Steph. I, Steph is going to always shoot. He's not. I mean, he's going to be that guy regardless. It's not going to change his game. No, but I think it just comes down to does he want to play out, you know, two or three years without being a true contender? It's fine. I, I mean, you, you're going to have to suffer before you get back to that point that you that you were at. You know, and look at it like this: Kobe Bryant after Shaq left. The Lakers struggled, they struggled, they struggled, and then around 2007, they started to get their game back. 2008, they were in the finals. 2009, they were in the finals and won it. Uh, Then 2010, they won it again. The year after that, they got close. I think they got to the conference finals. They got beat out uh, by the Mavericks. And so you, you look at it, they, yeah, they won, they won, they won. But when they lost a key player... Kobe was still Kobe. It didn't change his game. No, yeah. But he just kept playing with what he had, and he it it, it worked, and he did what they they did what they could until they got they got to work. Okay, we got the pieces that we need, and we can go on and and go on this run. We can we can do what we want to do. And so I think for Steph, it's it's the same sense is that Steph is going to be Steph. He's going to be okay. He's still going to be that player. Rather, they're just rebuilding that team. They're not going to move him. He's going to play. He's going to still be that shooter. He's going to play. He's going to still be that guy. Um, and who knows? I, I believe that Golden State could work themselves back up to uh, a championship caliber team. You know? Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's nothing to it but just getting the right pieces. And, and being able to draft to make some, yeah, some trades later on. That's all it is. Well, it, it was a weekend. You know, we, we've spent some time talking about the NBA, but it was a weekend full of football, uh, packed. And I, and, and I, you know, I was thinking back. It didn't always used to be this way with the NFL. No, it wasn't. You a know, bunch as far of... as packing all the games in, but I think that was a brilliant move on their part from a business standpoint. You know, because you had us glued all weekend. Yeah, you you dominated the the. Uh... The charts, the the television, everything, networks you you did from Saturday through Sunday. I mean, you had what eight teams, yeah, seven teams play, uh, or seven games rather. Uh, yeah, seven games throughout the weekend, and that's a lot. I mean, uh, I think yesterday, yesterday was one of the best Sunday football that I've seen in a minute. I mean. The games, the yeah, impact. They were very competitive. And Gosh. You know, everything's online. That's the yeah. season. Uh, but we start on Saturday. The 49ers, of course, dominate the Seahawks. Uh, a couple of things there. Number one, that does not take away from the fact that nobody expected Seattle to be in that position. Exactly. To begin with. I, you're right there, man. Because, 
Like, you're going to hear it all day that today and part of tomorrow about, well, that's just the... Se-. No, nobody expected Seattle to be there to begin with. Not Everybody wrote them off, had a tombstone over the grave yeah. when they got rid of Russell Wilson and said, you you know, you make... I was one of I thought, what are you doing? You know, why choose Pete, an aging Pete Carroll over a Russell Wilson? And that seems to have been a brilliant move because not only did you win this year, you've got their draft pick yeah. that you now control, which is a top-end draft pick. You have some options to, to uh, you know, weigh out now at your quarterback position. Do you want to extend Geno Smith, who did a wonderful job for you, or do you want to go draft a quarterback? Do you maybe get Geno for another year or two and, and, and still draft a quarterback? You have options now that at the beginning of the year you never would have really dreamed were on the table well, and so it doesn't take away from the fact Seattle had a darn good year considering what it looked like coming into the yeah. season. It it like I said, we didn't even expect it, but you know, that just shows you how unpredictable some teams are. And yeah. for Seattle it worked out it worked out uh just fine. But but I also think that that shows how sustainable that kind of football is. Yeah, that it you know you can you can move pieces you can have all this controversy you can do all that but if you run the football well have a decent passing game and can well, play defense you can yeah, win games well, as, in the NFL. as we know right now that the you know that their season is up you know uh, Geno Smith has as many more passing yards than, than uh, Russ did in yeah. three seasons that you now this season there. And so, well, it's last three seasons there, actually. More than Russ, actually, ever had at Seattle. Yes. Uh, so, you look at that, and you, you kind of get this, the, the notion that, how did that happen with Geno Smith and not with Russell Wilson? Well, it goes back to what we're hearing more and more of from former teammates, that, that we had a perception of Russell Wilson that was not reality. That we wanted to believe he was this great quarterback, you know, he was a great guy, he was this rah-rah leader in the locker room and all of those things, and you have Richard Sherman, Marshawn Lynch, some of those guys coming out now and saying that was never the case. He was never Mr. Reliable, he was never the guy that was the leader, he was never the guy that we thought oh, the ball's in his hands so we're going to win the football game. They never felt that way. You know, you go back to to what's been said about, you know, the the infamous play in the Super Bowl, you know, and, and and you you look at that and it becomes more believable that this is how it happened. Yeah. You know, that, that Russell Wilson goes to Denver, you know, stinks up the room, uh, you know, derails the franchise at least for a year, and Seattle somehow stays steady and makes the playoffs. You know, beginning of the year, you just said, no way. You you would have yeah. thought, that's a pot dream, uh, that, you know, somebody's making this up, it's not true, and there's we no thought, way. We thought Geno Smith was washed up, and, but, but that's another thing, is Russell Wilson did all of that just to get to a place where people really now say, okay, he's not really that guy. But you look at Geno Smith, is... We thought the total what we thought about what Westbrook was was the total opposite of what we thought Geno Smith. We thought Geno Smith was washed up; he should have been out of the league by now. And we thought Wilson, here's his chance to go cook. Yeah, this he's is gonna his get chance in the kitchen. To, yeah, but and, 
it's the total opposite. We didn't see that with Russ, but we seen it with Geno Smith. And Geno Smith was just blessed with the opportunity to get to show the NFL and the and the nation, this is who I really am. I'm really a good quarterback. But I think when Geno Smith first came in, he was put in bad positions and he he didn't fit the scheme of what other these teams were trying to trying to uh Run with him, you know. He, he was in these pass-heavy uh, offenses, offenses yeah. and that wasn't him. And so he gets to Seattle, and it's you know Pete Carroll obviously sees something in him and has staked his confidence in him. And we see how that turned out. Now, yeah, they got beat in the first round, but just like I said, nobody ex- at the beginning of the season, nobody expected Seattle to even get to the point where they were at in a playoff. We didn't expect them to be winning. Right. You know, we thought they would have had the season a season like uh, the Broncos had. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Broncos would be in the playoffs. But it was a totally everybody had that prediction. Yeah, it was the total opposite. And so, yeah, with this draft pick as well, you do have you know you could weigh your options at quarterback whether or not you want to stick with Geno Smith or you want to move forward. Uh, but then you have other options as well. But Seattle with with Pete Carroll and. It looked magical because, like, how in the heck did Pete Carroll make this work? And it also, it got to a point where you were rooting for them. Yeah. Because of all the, you know, Broncos country, let's ride, jump that was going on with with Wilson. He kind of became the villain. That this guy who we've always said, oh, that's a great guy. He's kind of the, the poster boy of a, a good dude in the NFL, a genuine dude. And then that, that curtain got peeled back. And it was almost it became like he's the villain and and Pete Carroll's the good guy, so we're gonna go root for Pete all of a sudden. But but to your point about Geno Smith, you've got to run an offense that fits your quarterback, right? And and that was I mean just on beautiful display of this past season with Geno Smith that Pete Carroll did what he had to do to put Geno Smith uh, in favorable. Scenarios where he doesn't have to go win the game, just be a game manager, don't go lose it, and and we're going to put you in a position to be successful. Where you go back to, you know, his time in New York and some other places, and it was more you got to go win a game. Well, he's not that guy. You know, he, he's not that kind of a quarterback, but he is a great game manager. That brings up, you know, I I still say that it, maybe you keep Geno Smith, but if you want to move on from him and. Uh, possibly draft a quarterback, but have a veteran come in. Maybe you look at a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, maybe you look at a Derek Carr. Uh, yeah. Somebody like that that, that can come in uh, and still win ball games, but also allow you to develop somebody else. I, I think that this season opened up options that nobody thought would be on the table at this point. You know, no, nobody really looked at Seattle and thought they're going to have. Plenty of options. Like, they, you know, they're not going to be yeah. pigeonholed into having to draft a quarterback and then wait a couple of years and then be contenders. Yeah. You've got a roster that is a contending roster, so it's just how do you kind of keep those pieces together yeah. and, and maybe add a couple of pieces to that puzzle while you're at it. I say with Seattle, they kind of work uh, DK Metcalf uh, in some different areas. You know, he, he's obviously, obviously their uh, big wideout. And so, you know, you're looking at, you know, they're going to stretch the field with him. Yeah. 
But I, I think you kind of kind of change that identity a lot because teams are going to expect that you know coming into next season. You know, uh, he's a big receiver, he's a big guy, and and he can run. They're going to stretch the field. Really. Yeah, and you kind of change that up, and you will surprise offenses. You know, if you get a quarterback like a Jimmy G or a heck, if you even keep G, uh, Geno Smith, and you can do it with him. But I say you change that you change that identity up just a bit. You can still stretch the field from time to time, but. You know, hit him a, a few times on some short routes. You know, mm-hmm. you know he, he. Once you get him in space, you're not catching him. Yeah, that that was what I guess surprised me a little bit with their usage of, of DK Metcalf is that you don't do more just in space. You know, yeah. even if I I would even run him on some screen routes, just give him the opportunity right to to make things happen uh, because. You know, it's great. We saw this for years with Tyreek Hill. It's great to be able to stretch the field. Yeah. You know, and, and throw a ball up and say, well, he's going to catch it and, <laughs> and figure this out. But at some point, you've got to get playmakers in space. Right. Uh, football games are won or lost in space. We, we had some great teams when I was coaching at Harmony. But one of our biggest issues and, and, and places where, you know, no matter what you did, you, you were going to have some problems is we didn't do well in space. If you had a playmaker, you, you won him out in space, and, and you were going to give us some problems. Didn't mean we were never necessarily going to lose, but that was going to be an issue. Yeah. You know, we knew that. And, and and so, you know, I go back to, to those days and, and telling people, listen, whoever your athlete is, whether it's your running back, whether it's a receiver, whether it's a quarterback, whatever you, whoever that is for you on offense, mm-hmm. design things that allow him to be an athlete. Right, and if you get him out in space, he gets to be an athlete. He he gets to to ball out, as we like to say, yeah. and make things happen. And I think that they could be very very dangerous if you ever do that. Yeah, well, and you know, it's like I said last uh, last week during the show was that people tend to forget that Tyreek Hill can run routes. Yeah, it's like these some of these teams. I don't know. I'm not saying they forget, but when you look at it because of how they're constantly used on the field. Yeah. You forget that these guys can run routes. You know, they wouldn't be in the position that they're in if they couldn't. They wouldn't be in the NFL if they couldn't run routes. DK, DK Metcalf can run routes. Mm-hmm. And so you give him that opportunity to get in space to run a route. You never know how good he can be. One of the most beautiful things is is um, seeing was, and we, me and my brother watched it uh, this past weekend, Amari Cooper. Nobody knew. I mean, Amari Cooper didn't. We nobody really paid attention to him in, in Oakland. You know when he was in Oakland, but when he got to the Cowboys, it's like he showcased his route running skills. Yeah, and he's still to this day one of the most dangerous route runners in the NFL because he's honed his craft. But people didn't look at it that way, and or didn't see it that way. Those big plays that he had in Dallas, you look at his route running is what got him open most of the time. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and not, it's not until. You go back and watch those games that you see how real, really well he did what he did, and so you get a, you get Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf, and you get them to running routes. You never know what could happen, and I see if they see Seattle if they can just kind of tweak that just a little bit, then they could really they they already have the run game. You could you could be a very very uh, deep contender next season. Yeah. You know, and I'd be listen. I'm a Cowboys fan, but I would love to see Seattle back in it with uh, Pete Carroll. I, I would too. I think you know that that props to him and that organization for sticking with it, saying yeah. this is the kind of identity that we want to have as a football team. 
and we're going to do what we got to do to make the playoffs. On the flip side of that game, San Fran did what I thought San Fran would do. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, they, they seem to, as of today, be the team to beat in the AFC. Right. Uh, the, the interesting thing is that it has been, you know, revealed by the team that, listen, even if Jimmy G get, becomes available next weekend, Brock Purdy's the guy. That we're not going to move off of him. He's going to be the guy. Win, lose, or draw, you know, Brock Purdy's going to be our quarterback. And that raises the question, not only for the playoff run, you know, it, it really doesn't surprise me because he has lit that franchise. You know, he, he's kind of lit a fire in there. Now, not to say that Jimmy G did, wasn't winning games. He did a great job. He did what he was asked to do. But there's something about you know, an energy, you know, that, that kind of surrounds Brock Purdy and everybody being behind him, his teammates, all of those things. So it didn't surprise me that you wouldn't, you know, uh, stay with him. That that didn't surprise me at all. But this raises a question for beyond this. Because what if Brock Purdy takes you to the Super Bowl? Are you really going to move on and, and, and go back to Trey Lance? And and then, if you don't, let's say you, you stick with Brock Purdy, because bottom line is, Jimmy G's gone. Like, this is it. This yeah. is, you know, they're ready to move on, and he's going to be a free agent. Jimmy G's gone. But how do you justify what you did to draft Trey Lance? And then make him a backup. And then make him the backup. I, I, I don't... I, that was... Maybe single-handedly the dumbest move of Kyle Shanahan's career was trading up to get Trey Lance because he was "quote unquote" a Kyle Shanahan quarterback. Well, what we would call this here is a beautiful mess. Uh, it's because you have three quarterbacks. Uh, two of them seem not out of the three seem to be capable. You haven't really got to see, excuse me, we, much we don't of even what, know how tra- how healthy Trey yeah, Lance is going to be. Exactly. I mean, and so you haven't got to see anything of Trey Lance the, uh, other than the, the the few games that he was in before he got hurt. But you get this sense that yes, Jimmy G is gone, and Brock Purdy's up, and then you got Trey Lance. I say you, Trey Lance is going to be the back uh, the backup to. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy has that energy. He brings an energy to that team because he's young. You know, he's on fire. And teams are going to get behind that. You know, they're going to support their quarterback regardless. But when a quarterback's on fire and he's young, teams are going to, that just fuels the game. That fuels the team. And so that, he has the support of his teammates. And, would you say you you do get to the NFC Championship onto the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy? If that happens, you can't justify starting Trey Lance anymore. You know you can't you can't justify saying okay now we're just gonna put we we know what you did, but we're just gonna put you back where in your place because we had to bring this guy back up. No, that's not gonna look right. And, and at, at the same time, we've seen it happen over. You know, with uh, with other teams, uh, when the Broncos had uh, Brock Osweiler, mm-hmm. who came in and filled in for Peyton, yep. Man- uh, Peyton Manning when he was hurt. Yeah, and then you see what they did to him. They got rid of him. They Peyton came back uh, and then retired, and then they got rid of Brock Osweiler after all that he done. He done. He was their next quarterback, but they got rid of him. They let him go to an uh, to Houston, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. They let him go to Houston. And so then you you look at stuff like that, and you say, okay, now is that a that wasn't a good decision? You don't want to see San Francisco 
in a decision like that because you know that makes it look like you know um, the head coach. The coach doesn't know what he's doing, and to say okay, he's a uh, Shanahan or whatever. He's Kyle a, Shanahan quarterback. He, but I mean, Kyle Shanahan is a great offensive-minded football coach, and I yeah. know what he was looking at. He was looking at Trey Lance and and some of the things that he had done, you know, uh, in college. And he said, "Okay, here's an athletic guy. He's got a great arm. I can open up the offense. I don't have to be as heavy on the run game." Uh, and, and I understand that. But why? And, and this was my question. And this is my question to anybody who does this: high school, college, or pro. Why move off of what's gotten you where you're at? Just because everybody says, oh, that's boring or that's whatever. What does it matter what everybody else thinks? Who cares? If you're winning football games, why does it matter? That That's my big question. And I wish somebody would come out and answer that as a, as a head coach. Yeah. You know, why, why does it matter how you win games as long as you're winning games. And with San Francisco, why move off of something that's gotten you in in positions to win Super Bowls for the past four, five, six years? Why, why would you ever get away from that? I don't know. I couldn't give you a straight answer as to maybe what it might be. Uh, well, I think it's just that, that we live in a, a, a an age... Of social media and all of that, that where everybody's looking for that wide open, the next highlight. I got to be that guy, you know, or, or I've got to be that wide open offense. We got to be exciting. We've got to do this, and we. Who cares if you're winning football games? Why does it matter? And I that's why from the beginning I didn't understand you traded up, you know, to get that pick, and then you make that pick, and I'm looking on okay. We'll see. You know, you you better hope that he is who you think he is. And so far, he's not been that guy. Uh, you know, he he's not played for you. He's not started for you. And then he starts what three games? They go in three, and then he gets hurt. And then come on, Jimmy G, we're sorry, we didn't mean that. Yeah. And he wins you all games. And then and it it goes back to what I've said. That style of offense. <laughs> it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Yeah. As long as they're not losing the game. It doesn't matter. But it kind of seems like, and, and I know this won't happen, but it kind of seems like you dump Trey Lance to keep Jimmy G and Purdy. It's like, well, but you really can't sell that one. But even that's if why you I put said, Trey I, Lance I on the mark, you know, but, it, okay, Trey Lance still has that rookie contract. Yeah. Even if you put Trey Lance on the market, okay, you keep Brock Purdy, Jimmy G's gone because you've disrespected him enough. Like, he <laughs> he's going to take his services elsewhere. But let's say you keep Purdy, you bring in some other veteran, you know, to, to back him up just in case. You let Jimmy G walk and you decide, okay, we're going to trade Trey Lance. Who's trading for him? Like, what NFL team looks at Trey Lance and goes, we got to have that guy. Like, if we get that guy, we can make him something. Because, and this is the thing, when we start labeling these coaches as, for instance, a few years ago, Tim Tebow... Uh, this was prior to his retirement going into baseball, right? He signed with New England I mean, for like all of two weeks or whatever in camp, training camp. And the, the sense was, because of the way that we view Bill Belichick, right, and, and his 
football mind. That if 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 anybody can use Tim Tebow and figure out how to win with him, it's him. And, you know, it's going to be Bill Belichick. We did the same thing last year with Kevin. If anybody can can kind of construct something that makes him successful, it's it's Bill Belichick. Uh, th- we do this with these coaches, Andy Reid. You know, if anybody can make something out of nothing on offense with a player, it's going to be Andy Reid, or it's going to be Kyle Shanahan. And so when we start labeling these coaches in that way, and then it doesn't work out, we say, okay, well, then that's they're done. And, and you get the sense that that's how some teams are going to view Trey Lance, that if he's a quote-unquote Kyle Shanahan quarterback, whatever that means, because my, my other deal with that was Kyle Shanahan never really said what a Kyle Shanahan quarterback is, but if he really is a Kyle Shanahan quarterback, and Kyle Shanahan, of all people, couldn't figure out how to win football games with him, then who out there is going to say, we can win games with that guy? Like You get the sense that because he was labeled that way, same thing with Zach Wilson. You know, there's every indication in the world says that you know the Jets are going to move on. You know, you've got their mm-hmm. owner coming out and saying, I'm willing to pay for a veteran quarterback because that seems to be the missing piece. It's the same thing with Zach Wilson. Who looks at those quarterbacks right now and goes, if we bring him in, we can win. Like, we can fix that. <laughs> and especially with, again, Trey Lance, because he sat under a guy who is, is known as a offensive-minded head coach. So who else in the NFL is going to go, but I'm better than, you know, like, I can, I can top that. I can develop him as a quarterback. Yeah. I, I just think that... I mean, this run that Purdy has gone on not only affects right now, but you just look at the overall picture and not only how that affects San Francisco, but how does that affect the rest of the league? Because now, you know, Jimmy G may be on the market, Trey, Trey Lance. <clears throat> Presumably, you would think that there is that chance that he gets put on the market. How does the rest of the NFL view those two quarterbacks? You know, who's willing to bring them in? You know, you, you kind of get a sense of what the market would be for Jimmy G. Yeah. That, you know, Seattle would be in on him. Uh, maybe uh, the Colts, you know, teams like that. Uh, there, there's been, you know, rumblings that uh, the Raiders, which I'm going to talk about them in a little bit, might would be in. So you've got some, some teams out there that it would presumably be interested. But it's just interesting to me that Trey Lance could be the odd guy out as well. That there may not be a seat at the, the quarterback table for him. And you did all of this. You mortgaged your future to an extent to draft Trey Lance. And, and it goes back to what I say about these quarterbacks. They better be good. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. like if you're going to lose to get them or you're going to trade up to get them, they better be who you think they are. Because you're you're putting a lot at risk to draft a quarterback these days in the NFL. Yeah, because, I mean, there's, it's not a shortage of quarterbacks, but it, as of right now, uh. It's, it's a shortage of capable quarterbacks. Well, well it's a shortage of truly franchise-altering quarterbacks. Because you, Trey Lance is not a franchise. Everybody assumed he was, but, but you really watched some film on him. He's not what you would consider a franchise-altering quarterback. Now, Bryce Young presumably is. Uh, Hendon Hooker, you would think, with well, that athleticism presumably would be. But, I mean, there's not a lot of franchise-altering guys. So that's why you, these front offices, these head coaches, these GMs have got to get to a point where is he really worth 
mortgaging the future of the franchise just to get him? Or do we look at that second tier of quarterbacks and just build around them? And, you know, and just have a solid team on both sides of the football. I, you know, and so I think Trey Lance kind of taught everybody a lesson that you better hope. Uh, Zach Wilson, the same way with the Jets. You know, you better hope that they are who you think they are or else you're in trouble. Um, moving on, the, the game right after that, the Jags, of course, stunning uh, the Chargers. Yep, I told you that was going to happen. Now, you, I didn't... You had a gut feeling. Like, you had a gut feeling going into that game. Yeah, I, but I, I did not expect them to come back from a twenty down from a 27-point uh, lead. Or, but, I, yeah, I didn't... I, the Chargers were never... They never convinced me or persuaded me in any fashion. No, but I think we think we look at Justin Herbert and we know he's a special talent and we just assume he's going to yeah, find a way to win a game. But, yeah. <laughs> not even because of him. It's just the receivers they have around him. Really. But it's him. No, you don't give Herbert near enough credit. Herbert is a top-end quarterback. Okay. Um, but Her- Herbert is a franchise-changing quarterback. He just gets the short end of the straw in L.A. Well, he got the short end of that straw. Uh, Saturday because that was horrible. And the 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 thing is, you know, I said this before, and this is reason why I had, you know, somewhat of a gut feeling of that uh, Jaguars gonna pull it out because if you look at it, the toughest game, the best game that they played of the season, was against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. That was the best game. That was Cowboys' toughest game on the back end of the season, and that was Jaguars' best game on the back end of the season. Yeah. Um, you look at a team like that, that had got it together and got it clicking and rolling, and then on top of that, as I've been saying for a while, don't sleep on Trevor Lawrence. He threw three interceptions, yes, yes, Saturday, uh, no, four interceptions. He threw four interceptions, but he came back and he threw three touchdowns to put his team back up there and to give them a fighting chance. And you you can't sleep on that man. Look at what he did when he was at Clemson. He wasn't the number one recruited, recruited quarterback in the nation for no reason when he came out of high school. And then at college, he wasn't the top quarterback for no reason. And in the NFL, I told you, you just got to give them time. You got to give them time to get settled. Everybody is not gonna, is not the easy baked oven quarterback that's going to come out and start firing off as soon as they hit the field. He didn't do that. It took him three seasons to do that. And two. So, no. Two. Yeah, he was a rookie. Like well, look, it took him two. So, it took him a whole season, whole season and a half to get going. Yeah. So I mean, you can't you can't like expect him to, you know, be that flashy guy. No, I mean, you look at the athletes. He didn't have the same athletes he had at, at Clemson. He got his uh, running back ATN from Clemson, uh, Clemson, but that's it. But you look at the you look at the Jaguars, and they're a winnable team. They're 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 they they can. I'd say they could beat just about anybody. Well, now, now they're dangerous. Like yeah. I, you know, we you talked about that. That if they win that first game, now they're dangerous. Yeah. Um. But you don't. You don't get the sense that. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is done. Like, 
He now, is that guy. He, he, you, you watch him, and he always feels like, if I get the football, we can go win a game. Shoot like, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of the stage. I'm not, you know, uh, going to cower down. I feel like I can go win a game. But the other side of this, too, is the Urban Meyer effect. And here's what I mean by that. Now everybody's coming out of the woodwork saying, you know, Urban Meyer this and Urban Meyer that. Whatever. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Not going to get into the, the nitty-gritty details of what did or didn't happen in Jacksonville. But this is going to affect coaches that get a chance. And this goes back to what I said about Lovey Smith and why one of the main reasons I believe that he lost his job in Houston is that they're looking, they know that Chicago doesn't really want a quarterback. So they believe that Bryce Young's either going to fall at two or they're going to be able to trade up and get one. So they really believe that they're getting Bryce Young. You have Urban Meyer, who is a defensive-minded head football coach. You brought him in. He drafted Trevor Lawrence. He drafted some other guys. And, you know, he he said, the reason I took this job is because Trevor Lawrence was available and, and I believe we could get him. And then he gets canned before the season's even up. And everybody blames him for Trevor Lawrence's lack of development up to this point. You know, and, and credit to Doug Peterson, he is a great offensive-minded football coach for all he's done over there. But the results last year and this year with Trey Law- uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence sets the stage for defensive-minded head coaches to not have a chance with a team that's going to draft a top-end quarterback. Like, unless they're already established. You know, mm-hmm. unless you're a Bill Belichick or some, a Pete Carroll, someone like that. But I'm talking about these coaches that, that are potentially going to get hired for a job. Do you really want to bring them in if you're going to draft a quarterback? And I think that that really got spotlighted because you bring in an offensive-minded guy, and now all of a sudden everybody's saying, hey, this is the, the Trevor Lawrence that we expected last year, but he got held back. You know, he wasn't put in a position to be successful. Now... They did some other things to make that team better. They improved the offensive line. They got a better run game this year to take some pressure off of him, all those things. But everybody goes back to Urban Meyer and, and the effect that he did or didn't have on Trevor Lawrence. And I think that that affects even this coaching cycle, who gets a job and who doesn't. Yeah. I, and <clears throat> I, I don't – like I said, the – Jaguars, they're, yeah, they're they're a dangerous team to watch out here in the second round. Um, but I do say, you know, as far as that goes with, you know, the defensive-minded coaches having a chance, is, I understand that, you know. I understand that. I mean, but it all depends on what kind of identity you have as a team as already. Uh we said before, Houston and Lovey Smith was a bad deal from the get-go. Uh, they should have never put him in that position. And then you look at uh, Urban Meyer, you get the sense that he thought that, okay, if I get Trevor Lawrence, then he's going to handle everything I need to be handled on offense. Yeah. And while I just, I, I work the defense, you know, make it as good as I can, and everything else will be handled on offense because I got Trevor Lawrence. Well, that wasn't the case. It fell apart. And at the hands of Trevor Lawrence because you didn't develop him as a quarterback like you should have as a head coach. Um, and you didn't bring in a great offensive-minded guy to be your coordinator. No. Either. And so the offense and everything fell apart for him. 
and you don't want to put a you shouldn't Trevor Lawrence the type of quarterback he was or and is should have never been put in that position. It been like I said, it been better if he went to the Jets. If the Jets would have just and we see that now in this draft is the team that had the number one pick ended up losing it, and everybody was was saying, "Oh, don't go to the Jets. You don't need to go to the Jets," but. The Jets had a better offensive identity fit for Trevor Lawrence than the Jaguars did with Urban Meyer. And so, it's good that he's, you know, getting into it now. It's good, right? At the right time, he got into it. He got clicking. But, if you don't allow Urban Meyer to do that, then Trevor Lawrence probably would have, and I say you can't stop winning or losing, but, he probably ends up at the Jets. Everybody, you know, he will say, okay, if I get a call from the Jets, I'm not going to take it, you know. Probably would have been a mistake. I would have I would have seen him with the Jets, and given the Jets offensive abilities, he would have been a great fit. But with Jacksonville right now, you look at it, you know, it's a pretty balanced team that plays very good defense. Um, it's a balanced team that can score. Uh, that can drive the field, and Trevor Lawrence with the ball, the football in his hand is dangerous. I mean, he can he can throw, he can run, and he can just pick you apart. And for the Chargers, man, I don't I I, I don't know, I don't know. Well, let me interrupt with some breaking news. Uh, C.J. Stroud has officially declared for the NFL draft. Okay. So that ends, you know, because there was some speculation Saturday. Uh, late Saturday, that there was a new NIL deal on the table that may keep him at Ohio State. Not going to happen. So that adds another quarterback to the mix. Yep. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, But, yeah, watch out for Jacksonville in the second round. Dangerous team. Uh, A team that we thought would be dangerous that suddenly didn't become dangerous is the Dolphins. Uh, the toolless Dolphins uh, did their best with Skylar Thompson, gave it their best go. They lose a heartbreaker, had every chance to knock Buffalo out, shock them at home, and they fell apart in large part due to the fact that Skylar Thompson, you could tell he had the jitters, especially late in that game, had several delay of games, had to waste some timeouts, uh, had a couple of false starts. I mean, just... Things late in the game that a quarterback can't do, especially in the playoffs, and being on the road and and, and all of those things. Uh, But you start to look at Miami. Where to from here? Because we're not even sure how healthy Tua is, isn't, or will or will not be. So there's going to be questions about Tua's ability to play football, period. And uh, let's say he decides, I'm going to play next year, okay? What are you going to do the next time he gets hit? I guess Skylar Thompson the answer, and if not, what are you going to do? Tua, and I keep saying this, needs to retire. You don't need to stretch that deal out any further than what it needs to be. And you, you look at the situation that they have over with, over there with the Dolphins, that organization is on thin ice as it is with Tua because they didn't do something they should have done the first time, and the second time it almost could have been worse than what it should have been. Uh, 
And you can't afford to put a man out there who the next time he gets hit real good or he hits his head on the turf, it could cause significant damage. Well, I mean, that, you know, the last report on him was that the team officials were told don't even have a stressful conversation with him. And that's not good, especially with the, you know, <clears throat> you're in the NFL. There's go, not even a stressful conversation, but stressful moments. What well, would and, that do and, to and him? And then, I mean, you look at just his personal life. I mean, how are you going to handle... You, you don't want to continue to put this man in a yeah. position where he can't handle day-to-day But things. you would get the sense that his family would tell him, listen, for the for your health, like you just you're gonna have to stop. You're gonna have to walk away from it because <laughs> who knows? I mean, you just you just don't know. But you don't. But Tua, you don't want to do that. And you know, you'd but, be but strictly from a football perspective. Uh, without him, Miami's in a a pickle. No, I think they'll be fine. It. <laughs> It's because you look at what they did yesterday. They almost beat the Bills, who's the number one seed, but it was a number was a top. Yeah, but you, you get the feeling seed. that that was lightning in a bottle. That over a, a you know a 18, 17, 18 game schedule. Yeah, but you don't know that's that. not sustainable. Yeah, but you don't. Okay, what they did yesterday is not sustainable. They they caught lightning in a bottle, punched Buffalo in the mouth. Okay. And Buffalo almost stumbled. I, I think that if he's not going to be back, from a football perspective, you've got to go get... You either need to further develop Skylar Thompson and go all, all in on his development, or you need to go get That's a guy. the only choice that they have. Well, Tom Brady's being thrown around that he would still be interested. Okay. Tom Brady, all right. Which we're going to talk about him yeah. in a minute. Okay. Tom, and... and okay. But <laughs> the Dolphins... Uh, they they might as well just prepare, just prepare for it. Because well, I agree, but I I wonder what that pre- that, that that's going to be an interesting thing to me is what does that preparation for life without Tua look like? Do you go all in on Skyler and put somebody in behind him, or do you say you know what we we've got to do something different here? I think they'll be all right. I think they'll be all right. I mean. Yeah, it's, that takes it's, a lot of bite out of that offense. It does. I mean, it's just like the Eagles without Jalen Hurts. Yeah, you know? but I, I think and you've got Tyreek Kill. That's the other thing. These teams bring in these receivers, and then how all these quarterback woes. You look at, you know, Devontae Adams stuck over in Los. Like, who's your quarterback going to be? And that's why if I'm these receivers, before I go demanding trades or anything like or contracts or whatever, I ask myself, who do I want to play with? Like, and, and, and I'm going to look at these situations, and if you're Tyreek Hill and you're looking around, you know, really, Skylar Thompson? Like, I thought I was getting Tua, or I thought I was getting Tom Brady, or I thought, you know, you're not going to be satisfied unless you're with a quarterback who can get you the football consistently and put you in a position to go win a championship. Which, I mean, I'm not saying he can or he can't, but yesterday you saw spurts where it looked like Skylar Thompson had no business, you know, running that offense. Where it, I mean, it just kind of completely fell apart in some crucial spots mm. where all you got to do is go get the first down, you yeah. know. And and he didn't have that ability, you know, to lead them down the field. It, you didn't get the feeling with him that you even get with Bryce Young in Alabama where he's, okay, he's got a minute and a half left, he's going to win the game. 
You, right. you know, you feel that way with Josh Allen. You feel that way with Patrick Mahomes, uh, Joe Burrow. You know, there's certain quarterbacks that they have the football, and you feel like no matter what, we're going to go win the game. Yeah. And Skylar Thompson did not exude that kind of confidence uh, at all in a very, very crucial and yet winnable moment. That was what it wasn't like a long shot for him to go win that football game. Yeah. And he just wasn't able to get it done. Nope. And but I, but also <laughs> the the Bills really held on tightly to that rope. Yeah, how good are they? That's my you know, my takeaway from we we wanted to crown them champs, you know, after they blew out the Rams in the opening game and they had another blowout game where they wouldn't be and you know, you kinda looked and go, Oh, that's that's by far the best team in the NFL and now you watch them and go, That's a beatable team. Like you even got the sense yesterday that listen, if you do that against Trevor Lawrence, they're gonna beat you. Like Jacksonville could beat you. Yeah. But that defense that defense is it has some some holes in it. Uh, <laughs> that and you gotta with, with their offense. Josh Allen's good, but I, I question how many weapons does Josh Allen have around him other than uh, Stephon Diggs. You know he has Cole Beasley, but it's Cole Beasley being used. Um, he wasn't utilized heavily yesterday. Yeah, at so, and you have a uh, you have tight ends. His tight ends seem to other than other than uh, got Stephon, a decent running game. Yeah, his tight ends other than uh, Stephon Diggs seem to be the, just a reliable source he can go to. But it's not the it's not a up tempo offense. It's a managing offense. It's not an up tempo offense. You know, you're not going to see them. Uh, just sprinting down the field. Not this. Not at this point. But it's manageable. If you can, if you can play a good defense against Trevor Lawrence and uh, the Jaguars, then you got that game in the basket. I mean, it's going to be handed to you. But if your defense continues to sell and sell, and allow Trevor Lawrence to get in open space and and run or catch a receiver across the middle. If you don't tighten up, they're going to pick you. Trevor Lawrence is going to pick you apart. And the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. I mm-hmm. mean, if you meet them later on the play. I mean, I, you just look and you go, man, mm-hmm. this is this is a team that, you know, everybody expected to be the guy, you know, the, the team in the AFC. And now all of a sudden they've got some questions to answer in the playoffs. Yeah. And this is, the, the thing about it, this is not the time of year that you want your team digressing. Right, and that seems to be the case. Right, because with Buffalo. you don't you don't get questions like this. Like, okay, are they that team? You don't get questions like that till what mid season. Yeah, you getting question. We're talking. We're asking questions like this, and it's in the playoffs. I mean, this is when this home. was a home game. Yeah, I mean, you had them in Buffalo. You had Miami coming to Buffalo without Tua, and you almost lose that ball game. Yeah, but it's 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 at these it's the fact that we're asking these questions, not just. About the Bills, but the other teams that we're, we're we've talked about, and the teams that we're going to talk about here in a minute. But it's the fact that we have talked about these teams and we've asked these questions now because this is when to go home. Yeah. It's playoffs. You know, there's no okay. We got an, another week coming up. No, this is like all or nothing. 
shouldn't be asking questions like that right now. This these are questions that should have been asked and answered and figured out in uh, mid season. But other than that, the the, the Bills just got to work on playing good defense. Uh, play their ball, Josh Allen. You know he has reliable targets, but just play and and a good run game, a decent run game at least. Just play your game, you know. But defense just got to tighten up. And I think that's been the key for – that was the key all weekend is that defenses were just not – they were just – They were Yeah. By bad – the teams that were presumably bad, low-seed low teams. Yeah. Um, which, you know, uh, an, an, uh, another game that happened to – that should have never happened with the Chargers – because with Jacksonville being a low seat, but <laughs> well, I think that we're starting to see that in today's NFL seating is not as important as it once was. Yeah, I... <laughs> there's just too much parity now in the NFL that anybody on any given week uh, can can go out there and beat you. Period. Yeah, but you know that. It, it, talking about that, and this is you know another team that we, you know another team that played yesterday that lost was uh, the Vikings, the Vikings, the frauds, the, the, the frauds the, of the NFL. I, I watched that game last night, thinking New York is going to beat them if they could honestly, if they if New York could have gotten a to the position where they could have uh, scored one more time. No, let's see. What was the score? 31? What was 34, it? 31? Yeah. I, I was think, it? no. No, no, no. It was 31-24, I think. That sounds right. I'm, I'm checking that. Yeah, it was 31-24. Yeah. Because uh, I, if they could have gotten a position to even get a field goal, that's a two-possession game. And at that point, the way their defense was playing, Vikings weren't coming back. No. And, you know, you look at the mistake that uh, Darius Slayton had in, late in the game where, you know, he drops the wide-open pass. Mm-hmm. They get that first game. They keep the ball. Uh, first down, they keep the ball. That's game. Yeah. But he drops that pass. And then you're thinking, okay, okay, that may be it. But I never got the sense that the Vikings were coming back, that they no, were going to score. Kirk Cousins not the, is not the kind of quarterback that you think, oh, well, you don't want to give him the ball back. No. Like, nobody really cares. But if he gets the ball, we're going to go stop him. Yeah, and that's what I had been saying all season. I said, okay, that's why I said that they were fraudulent is because we've seen, as Kirk Cousins played, mm-hmm. uh, when he was with the what used to be the Redskins, uh, when he was in Washington, and they kept franchise tagging and franchise tagging. Well, there's a reason why they did that. Because Kirk Cousins wasn't the quarterback. He wasn't that guy for them. I mean, I don't know how many times Dallas defense tagged him and picked him off. And I'm not talking some of Dallas' best defense. Yeah, we're talking about defenses that traditionally got carved. Yeah, that picked him off and got to him and constantly. That's why I wasn't. I was never sold on Kirk Cousins. And as the Vikings, you shouldn't be either. I, I, to be honest, you shouldn't be either. He wasn't even able to get to get the ball to his guys consistently at the end of the game. He didn't throw it. You 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 didn't throw it to Justin Jefferson. You did get it to him at the right time, uh, which caused him to go out of bounds to be stopped right there uh, for the game enter to end the game. And then on top of that, 
You're throwing these little short out route passes. It's not getting you first down. It's not getting you down the field. And one of the things about it, about it is when you look at Kirk Cousins, under pressure, he's either going to get sacked, he's going to throw it away, or he's going to throw an interception. He's not someone you can count on when he's under pressure. He's just not. And this is why I say they're a fraudulent team. When they, he had a chance like that game. Yeah, he did. And, but like I said, I never got the sense that they were going to you know, go down and score on the Giants to, tie, to even tie it up or win it. I never did. I and Giants just Giants picked that defense apart. They did, but uh, we talk about Jacksonville being a dangerous team in the AFC. To the me, AFC, the, the Giants are. The Giants games, yeah. are. They, you know, I, I I said the same thing about if they win that first game. Look out! Like yeah. that's a team that that could be dangerous. But here's the even the 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 beautiful part about it. I won't say beautiful, but here's the even the 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 strangest thing about it. So they got their last game against the Eagles. Yeah, and didn't they, play their starters. No, they didn't play their starters. They lose 16, 22 to sixteen. That's only a score. Yep. You go down the score and you beat them twenty three twenty two. Without their starters. Without their starters. Now next week they have the Eagles because they beat the Vikings. If the Vikings would have won, uh, they uh, Vikings were going on to San Francisco and Dallas was going to the Eagles. If the Eagle, if Dallas wins tonight against the Bucks, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But since the uh, Giants won, now they will play the Eagles in Philadelphia, and whoever wins tonight's game will be going to San Francisco. So with that happening, and Giants been playing all their starters this time, That's I'm looking at yeah, I'm yeah. looking at a different outcome uh, against the Eagles because I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts' shoulder now. Maybe it's healed up just a little bit more. But that's a very significant injury to his throwing arm, yeah. and it affects it a whole lot. So he didn't do a lot against them the last game. Um, so I'm, I, I'm not really kind of not really expecting him to do a lot this game. But if Giants defense, that defense that played the Vikings, shows up against the Eagles, uh, and that offense as well, then man, the, the Eagles got a fight on their hands. They yeah, that, that'll definitely be a matchup that we'll talk. About throughout the week because that's interesting. Yeah, that, that's a, a great matchup. Well, and I, we'll talk about Dabal, just how he got that offense going, how he got uh uh Daniel Jones. I mean, that that was some questionable plays uh, late in the game, but Daniel Jones just picked that defense apart. I Danny mean, Danny Dimes, baby. I mean, all of a sudden, but but then this it goes back to Jason Garrett. Can Jason Garrett really? Develop quarterbacks because that was supposed to be the answer with no. Daniel Jones, and then you brought him in, and well, you see, you know, I, I think it's just a matter of Daniel Jones being utilized correctly. Yeah, and and, and Brian Dabal has, you know, been able to do that. He's going back to running the football. Some, I mean, just doing yeah. things well, to put Daniel Jones in. They, it goes back to what I say: you've got to build an offense that makes your quarterback be successful. Yeah, that doesn't ask him to do more than he's capable well, of doing. You you look at. Uh, Jason Garrett and how he coached his team over in Dallas, and then the Scott Linehan and how he coached the offense over in Dallas. When it was the same thing in with Jason Garrett in New York that, that it was in Dallas, he was predictable. Mm-hmm. Teams knew what he was going to do. He was going to run a little, throw a little. He was going to put a lot of. He was going to put a heavy load on his quarterback that and. 
it wasn't it wasn't that Daniel Jones wasn't good, but it was the fact that Daniel Jones was trying to do things that wasn't Daniel Jones. Jason Garrett had him out there doing. That's why I don't think Jason Garrett will be. I, I don't think he was a coach, you know. But that that shows you. It goes to Jerry Jones. That shows you what Jerry Jones does. Jerry Jones is rich, but he's cheap. Yeah, he's cheap. You know. Uh, this even the hire with Mike McCarthy was as extravagant as it gets in the last decade. And so you you just have to you have to look at stuff like that, and it's good that New York got rid of Jason Garrett because I don't understand why they would hire him in the first time, first place. But it's good that they did because now you're getting to see uh, what Daniel Jones is capable of as by, a quarterback. By the way, let me just point out: doesn't that show how powerful Jerry Jones is? We're sitting here talking about the Giants, and somehow Jerry Jones still airs the conversation. Yeah, like really though, you think about that? That shows just the breadth of his control yep. over the the entire NFL. Uh and the 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 not cap last night, Bengals, Baltimore. Uh Baltimore of course playing without Lamar Jackson. I want to get to that in just a second. Uh Baltimore fumbles the ball, gets it, you know, fourth and goal, fumbles the ball, runs the quarterback keep, and you know, JK Dobbins comes out and says, Hey listen, just feed me the ball. You shouldn't have put your quarterback in that that position, yeah. uh, you know, a questionable decision there by John Harbaugh uh, to to put Tyler Huntley in that situation because it's not Lamar Jackson. You're not running his big body up in there. Uh, so that was a questionable decision. But then if you're Cincinnati, hey, you hung on. Now you just, you know, take a deep breath and you move on because at this point, you're the favorite. You know, you're the favorite out of the AFC. You've kind of survived your close game. And every team kind of faces that in the playoffs. Uh, you, But you survived and, and you advance. But if you're Baltimore, so Sean Payton said prior to the game that he believes that Lamar Jackson is gone. That if he's Lamar Jackson, um, let's see, I, I, I don't want to misquote him here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Fox Sports analyst, former New Orleans Saints, uh, head coach Sean Payton dropped something of a bombshell yesterday saying he doesn't see Lamar Jackson returning to the Baltimore Ravens. He he says, quote, I'm hearing rumblings from a handful of folks there that there are teammates who feel like his process has been slower than expected. I just don't like it. The team is more important right now than you. We appreciate the information on your injury status. You're not playing. I get it. I don't see this player back in Baltimore next year. I think he'll end up with another club. Uh, and this comes after, you know, he took some heat. He's the one that came out and told, you know, about the injury and said, hey, my knee's not stable. You know, it's a grade two, borderline grade three strain of the PCL. I'm not going to be able to play. So the team took exception to the fact that he, you know, went out there on his own and released that kind of information. And then there was a report yesterday. He didn't even travel with the team to the game. Uh, so a lot of questions. It, you get the sense he doesn't want to be there. They've rubbed him the wrong way over something. Maybe it's the fact that he's saying, listen, you know, now this has happened and you never gave me the contract that I tried to get. And then from the team's perspective that they're looking at this going, well, this is exactly why we didn't want to pay you. This is exactly why we didn't give you that contract. And so his attitude at this point is, I'm going to try and get out in front of this 
and explain why I'm not going to play in the biggest game of the season. Okay. And then I'm not going to travel with the football team. Okay, but you look at, we talked about this once again. What team is looking for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson? Nobody. Nobody's looking for that. If all you can do is run, nobody's looking for that. We want to use our whole offense, not just one guy. And so you look at, that's the only place he can be right now. But if they don't want him, which you, it gets you know the sense that that team's not going to play for him. I don't think I don't think they don't want him. Well, according to Sean Payton, they don't. That there are people in that, that that's what he was saying. That there's insiders in that locker room saying the team doesn't want him anymore. That they're ready to move on. Like but, coaches, wise, coaching wise, yeah, the organization wise, that they got very upset over the fact that he released his own medical information. And they were not pleased with his not wanting to play. Okay. That that was his decision. Okay. So if that's true... That's... And that's... But then that's, that, that... Because the question coming into this weekend was, could he play and he's choosing not to, or can he really not play? And based off of the information that came out, you know, Saturday into Sunday, it, it over the weekend, it looks more and more like it was his choice not to play... And it came down to the fact that he's upset that he didn't get a contract. That he's looking at this going, well, well they're probably going to franchise tag me and I don't want that. And so I'm just not even going to travel. And that his decision not to travel was basically the nail in the coffin with his teammates who say he's not about us. He's about himself. Yeah. But, yep, yeah, who's looking for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson? You know, putting your... Fillers now, your vouchers, and, you know, if he hits the market, you know, make your shot, take your shot, you know. I don't know who is. He's got to sharpen up on his passing skills. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Like, do they keep in it, and if not, where does he go? Because it, I think that's a fair question. Who who wants a quarterback where do we who, go pl- yeah, who, pl- who plays with that style of football? I don't know. That's, <laughs> uh... I mean, because if you're Chicago and you put Justin Fields out on the market, it's the same question with him. Now, granted, you get the sense with Justin Fields that he doesn't have to be that kind of quarterback. No. Because you saw that at Ohio State. He doesn't have to play that style of football. No, it doesn't. But he's forced to. He's forced to in Chicago. So, I mean, that that's one, one area where he's a little bit different than Lamar. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you just look at that landscape right now and... I'll be. There's no clear answer as to what team goes. That's who we want to, you know, hook our wagon up to. That's that's our guy. So I think that that's definitely something that's going to loom large, you know, over the NFL going into the off season. Is this saga with Lamar Jackson? And also, the other, if he made a decision not to play a playoff game over a contract, how how many more players are we going to see try this? Where they get so caught up in, you know, their status and their, you know, whether or not they get got paid, you know, to now we're gonna sit out of the playoffs. Well, not many if they. <laughs> but I mean, we 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 rip, you know, and, and or we have over the years rip these college players who skip out on the bowl game, right? You know, because well, I'm gonna hear the draft, so I'm not gonna play my teammates. And Nick Saban said, "Listen, that doesn't build character, but whatever you do, you." Yeah. But. How many more of these NFL players now, these grown men, these these paid athletes, 
are we going to see start doing this? That go, who cares about the team? I'm not getting paid. You put me in a position to get injured. I got injured. I'm not going to risk the rest of my career playing for you guys. Yeah. Uh, another thing is, you know. And don't forget, Lamar Jackson represents himself. An agent's not telling him to do yeah. this. With, with Lamar Jackson, I and mean, the reason why you won't <coughs> see more players do this is because if you really want to play football, you're going to play football regardless of the pay. And, you know, you've had, you've had players, some of the some good players who had taken pay cuts. Uh, the the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, who's arguably one of the best offensive lines in in, a, in in the game as of today, and have been for for years past, they're notorious for taking pay cuts just for them to the team to be able to keep players, you know, on roster. That's a, a stance that says I want to play football and I want to win. Yeah. It's unselfish. And, and so, what's going to happen is, if you get a bunch of quarterbacks and, well, if you're not going to pay me, I'm not going to, I'm just going to sit out, I'm not going to travel. You, it's, it's about, if it's about me, 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 you're going to be sitting at home for good. Yeah. Because if these owners wise up and, and wise up and say, you know what? But that's what, at some point, somebody's going to have to step up and say, that's it's, it. Like, we're not going to... But it's gonna, be, it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be Baltimore, because you at this somebody has to do it, so why not take this chance to do it? Because if you're well, I'm not gonna. If you want to pout and sulk, you can pout and sulk and sit at home, because we don't need somebody on our team that's gonna be that's gonna pout at a crucial moment like this. This is the playoffs. This isn't this isn't just another game where you can just oh well we got next week you know I decide if I want to play. No, this is either win all or go home. Yeah, and. This, uh, not Sean, uh, Lamar Jackson, if that was the case, if he could have played and chose not to, and he was able to, and he sold on his team, I wouldn't want him on my team either. You know, I, I'd want him going. And and the fact that he did that shows he's not a team player. I don't see too many teams out there that would want a quarterback like that. I don't see too many teams out there, if any, that would that would want or need a quarterback at his playing style. And so... It's either you nut up or shut up, or you can go home and sit at home or find something else to do, because nobody's gonna. This is the thing. This is where the NFL. This is where it's gotten to. Is well, we're gonna cater to our players. We're gonna cater. We're gonna cater to their. That's fine to an extent, but you should never cater to a player to the fact that he's running your organization. He's he's making decisions to put you in the bind. And right now, that's kind of what he's doing. He's holding them hostage. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Then that that was the weekend. We're gonna wrap up the wild card tonight. Cowboys, Bucks. Cowboys pick minus two and a half on the road in Tampa Bay. Haven't won a road playoff game in thirty years, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're if you're Dallas, you've got to tighten up on defense. You can't yeah. let Mike Evans eat you alive. You can't let Tom Brady pick you apart in the middle of the field. Uh, you know, you got to stay at home. Uh, watch the RPOs, all those things, but and, and it to the bet, get after the quarterback, go hit Tom Brady a couple times, yeah, and make Tampa Bay think about what do we have to do now, yeah, uh, you know, because you, you don't want him getting into a rhythm because no matter what, you know, for all we may say about this, that, that, that's still Tom Brady, yeah. Uh, also, you know, the offense, you got to get the offense going, you got to establish, and if you're Kellen Moore, run the yeah, football, you have to establish 
the run game early in the game. You have to get that going. Uh, and don't and get away yeah. from it. The, yeah, and don't don't put Dak on a on a pinnacle to where uh, he has to throw. You you don't don't do that. Uh, keep Dak at home. Let Dak do what Dak do, uh, and not not get too fancy with it. You know, you you have three running backs, three capable running backs, and I hope they use Malik Davis a little bit. Uh, tonight, um, and, and depends on how Zeke is running, but I hope they use Malik Davis. Uh, but that run game is going to be crucial. Even get fancy with it in the back. But Kellen Moore, you got these plays, man. Get fancy with it just a little bit. Run some uh, jet sweeps. Run some uh, reverses with you got the uh, number one return man in the game. You put Turpin out there, man. Yeah, get you know? your playmakers out in space. Uh, Tony Pollard. Come on, man. You got to, I mean, but you got to. And what may be Tony Pollard's last game with the Cowboys. Yeah, because he's a free agent. So you have to, all in all, with the Dallas Cowboys, because they came into the season saying, you know, they didn't want another year where their career was, you know, a wasted career. or yeah. You know, a wasted year of their career. You have to make it worthwhile for these guys. Uh, you have to put them in positions to win. And everybody at this point, regardless of what, uh, Jerry Jones may be saying, everybody's career at the tonight uh, sits on how well you play and if you get this win. I don't care if it's ugly. Get the win. Mm-hmm. Regroup for the next week and go at it. But get the win tonight. And it could be your last game with Dan Quinn. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Mike McCarthy's job still could very well be on the line tonight. For me, the Cowboys situation, this is more about the off-the-field things than it is the on-the-field. Like right. The, the, the off-the-field things that could occur if you lose this ball game tonight are overshadowing what would happen if you would win. If yeah. you're Tampa Bay, you're really and truly, if you're Tampa Bay, you're playing with house money. Like, you, you, you were under five hundred. I mean, you're playing with house money. Everybody assumes that Tom Brady's probably going somewhere else, that he's not going to stay in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. You're playing with house money. If you win, that's great, and if not, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, because it was such a, a turbulent off season for you, anyways. You're playing with house money, and uh, you know, yes, you're you're down, you're two and a half point underdogs at home, but you could punch Dallas in the mouth and beat them, and then go play next weekend. So we'll see. But uh, a lot, I, I mean, just a lot riding on this Dallas game tonight, as far as the future uh, of that franchise, in my opinion. Yeah, and. and- NFL knew what they were doing when they put this as a standalone game. They, they did. I mean, that that was a great move, a brilliant move already, on the business. Yeah, end. all already before this game was even played, it was it's the top selling game of the playoffs. Yeah, it probably be the top, the most watched game of the season. Yeah, a lot on, and, and we're talking every show's talking about it, not just because it's a standalone game, but because it's the Dallas Cowboys and it's Tom Brady and it's Tom Brady. Uh, you know, in, in a, a a story that. From uh, baseball, I want to as we're kind of wrapping up the show, do want to make mention of this: is, is that Trevor Bauer was uh, released by the Los Angeles Dodgers. We talked about the fact that he had been reinstated, mm-hmm. of course, following the sexual assault allegations leveled against him. There were no criminal charges filed. He received the longest suspension in professional sports history that then got overturned by an arbitrator. So he is an unrestricted free agent. He can sign. He can play all of those yeah. things. But the market's cold. Nobody's calling. Yeah, and I, I I think the big thing this is the Deshaun Watson effect. Yeah, 
Unprofessional sport. That's why I was going to... I asked the question, was it the right decision that they made? Because if there was no evidence, why on earth did they... I mean, if it was overturned, I think it's more of a... I don't think. I know. It's more of a PR move. We don't want. We don't want this... Even if it's not true, we don't want this stain on our organization. And it's not bad. I mean, that's the danger with these athletes is that when you get in situations like this, it it hinges your career, of course. And and, and (laughs) you just got to be careful who you deal with off the field, off the court, whatever. You have to be careful who you deal with. But if you're these organizations... What are we, I, and we may be past the point. We may never get back to the point where it's about what you do on the field. No, it's everybody. I, I think we're, we're, we're at that point where it's always going to be thrown in there what you do off the field. Yeah, but somebody's going to say, I mean, if the players got to step up as a whole and say, listen, stay out of our personal business. You know, I, I get that this was a sexual assault case. Of course, that affects the, the team, but... If it's not, if it comes back, just like Ezekiel Elliott, if it comes back and it's not true, stop digging into it. Well, Leave it a, be. And the word's different than Deshaun Watson. With Deshaun Watson, there's still a deposition. Like yeah. there's still there are still allegations. There's still unanswered questions. Uh, from Trevor Bauer's point of view, I mean, everything's been settled as far yeah. as you know that lady's not happy with the outcome, but it is what it is. You know, you had a court review it, say that's not enough. They threw it out. And they moved on. And that, that was kind of the end of it outside of, you know, Major League Baseball stepping in and saying, well, you, we still find you in violation of our, you know, policy on this issue, so we're going to go ahead and suspend you. But, I mean, just the fact that Trevor Bauer uh, is a, a, a middle to top end of the rotation type of arm. Uh, he's got a great fastball, good breaking ball, very competitive. Uh, you know, he could be a great addition for some of these teams. Uh, the Texas Rangers you know, would, would be able to add him. Uh, Houston Astros, I mean, there, there's a list of teams out there that, that could truly benefit from him. And both New York teams have already publicly said, we're out, you know. And I can understand that because that's a PR nightmare in New York, regardless of who, who plays for you. But if you've already got these teams saying, listen, we're not going to sign him, it just raises that question of, have we reached that point where once something like that is out there, you're done. Like, you're... You know, for the most part, you're done. Will Deshaun Watson be the last guy to continue playing after an allegation like this? Because all of the the things that have come with that for Cleveland, you know, seems to have caused other teams to shy away from anybody that is even, you know, kind of in that conversation. Yeah. Uh, You know, and I I think that that's not just a baseball story. It is from the perspective of you're talking about a, a good arm who at 31 years of age could still really help a contending uh, baseball team, but also just from an overall sports perspective of how do uh, these groups, you know, these ownership groups get together and say, how are we going to handle this? You know, do we, do we pursue this guy to go win or do we leave it alone because of the PR mess? And I think that that's going to be interesting, you know, to follow for, for him uh, again, not only from a baseball perspective, but just from a sports perspective, period. And also, you know, uh, with the, the Sean Watson case coming up again. And so I, I think that'll be something worth covering uh, in the future. Well, we're kind of winding up the show. What's your plans for the Cowboys game tonight? Well, 
Um, there's no specific plans. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I am going to watch it. I don't know where I'm going to watch it, how I'm going to watch it, but, uh, I really just want to sit down, I, I sit down and watch the game and kind of, I'm going to pick apart the, the, the Cowboys really, maybe before the game even gets going, but, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I plan on watching the game and <laughs> hoping for a win. Yep, so we'll be breaking that down tomorrow. Hoping Some other stories we didn't get to because the the sports world never stops. Yeah, uh, Y'all have a great day, and we will see you 9 to 11 tomorrow uh, wherever you get your podcasts and also live on Facebook.